Welcome to Behind the Goals. This week we're bringing you a slightly different episode than usual. Due to the Easter holidays, Andrew and I couldn't get together with a guest. So instead, we're bringing you the first of a series of Club Development Scotland special episodes. Over the next 25 minutes, Andrew's going to explore some alternative legal structures for community clubs, with input from John Alexander and Philip Jones, who both have experience of implementing different structures at SPFL clubs. This episode is most relevant for clubs thinking about incorporation for the first time, but it's also useful for clubs considering a change in direction. I'll leave you now with Andrew, who's going to take you through this brief introduction to legal structures for your club. Hello and welcome to the Club Development Scotland Masterclass Series. Club Development Scotland is a one-stop resource for clubs of any size and scale to help them best govern and develop their activities. Alongside our guidelines, we offer a range of services to community-focused sports clubs of all shapes and sizes to help them achieve their aims and objectives. And as part of our commitment to help community-focused sports clubs access the best advice possible, we've launched a new masterclass series of podcasts on a range of topics to help you grow a winning club. Our first podcast kicks off looking at the issue of legal structures for your sports club. Now, one of the most commonly asked questions we are asked by clubs is around what legal structure they should adopt, and it's one of the most important choices you will make when forming your sports club. The Choices are plentiful and it can seem a little bit overwhelming deciding which option to take, which is why it's worthwhile taking your time over the decision and making sure the structure you choose is right for your club as each structure has its own strengths and weaknesses. This podcast and guide will walk you through the various structures available to your community club and outline the benefits and limitations of each form. We'll also hear from various clubs about why they opted for the legal structures that they did. Now, most of the clubs featured here are professional clubs. However, the principles will mostly apply to clubs at any level of Scottish football or sport, for that matter of fact. Um, Now, before we start, we should highlight this is just an overview of the legal types available and shouldn't replace any legal advice. If you'd like tailored support, please do get in touch with us at Club Development Scotland, where we can offer support for your specific circumstances. Easy for me to say. Um, Remember, you can do that via Twitter as well, where we're at Club Development Scotland uh, or at Club Dev Scott or via Facebook, where we're at facebook.com slash clubdevelopmentscotland. Equally, if you prefer the good old-fashioned email, you can reach us at info at clubdevelopment.scot. Okay, now that's out of the way, let's delve into it. So, many clubs in Scotland are unincorporated, and there's pros and cons of staying unincorporated versus incorporation. Really, the main benefit is there's little to no compliance uh, when it comes to reporting so when it comes to end of year accounts you don't have to submit them to company's house or any of the regulators in scotland like you would if you were going to adopt one of the the free legal structures we're going to discuss later on so if you're looking for an easy life when it comes to running your club staying unincorporated might suit you quite well Um, but then again i'm not sure you'd be listening to this podcast if that was the case The main disadvantage of being unincorporated is the risk and potential liability it brings to your committee members. So incorporating your club essentially sees it become recognised as a legal entity in its own right. Um, And that gives your members limited liability, usually to a nominal £1 fee. Basically, think of it this way, would you risk losing your house or savings on the chance that something could happen at your club? Because that's what you might be doing if something happened at your club and it was unincorporated because the members or the committee members might be liable for that. So um, it's important to consider that. I should point out that it's important to highlight that limited liability doesn't cover a committee member if they've acted recklessly, uh, negligently, illegally or outside of their powers, for example. So um, 
don't think that limited liability uh, uh, completely protects an individual, especially if they've done something outside of the law. But each of the three legal structures we're going to look at do offer limited liability, which is one of the key reasons that people incorporate. Now, before we start exploring the different types of legal structures, um, we're going to refer to a few things throughout them that are probably worth explaining up front. And the first one is about governing documents. Now, your governing document is basically the rule book for how your organization works. And if you ever get into any troubles with your organization, you should always refer to your governing document. Uh, now, your rules um, will change depending on the, the, the legal structure that you adopt. Um, sometimes they're referred to as articles. Sometimes they are referred to as a constitution. Um, so the, the, the type of legal structure that you adopt um, will reflect the, the, what the name of the rules are basically for your organization. Uh, you can access a range of different templates and governing documents depending on the, the legal structure that you're proposing to adopt by getting in touch with us or checking out the website um, where we have basically templates for all the different types of legal structures that we're going to discuss here. So the next thing we're going to explain is an asset lock, which is something that uh, you may have heard of. The asset lock is designed to ensure that the assets of a body, which are intended to be non-profit distributing, aren't distributed for personal benefit or for members. Um, so through an asset lock, the assets of the organization are protected in the sense that there are restrictions on any assets being transferred uh, to uh, anyone other than, you know, a market value um, for the benefit of community or to another asset locked body, i.e. a charity or another community interest company, for example. Um, having an asset lock will basically prevent the members of a club selling their grounds to a private developer, winding up the club and splitting the sale proceeds among themselves. So it's there as a protection. It offers some confidence to funders knowing that the money is kind of locked into the articles as well. Um, so that's an important thing to think about. Okay, so now we've got those two out of the way, let's just begin by exploring a couple of the options. Now, there's lots of different types of legal structures, but we're really just going to focus on three today, um, and the ones that we think are perhaps the key ones and the most relevant for a community-focused sports club. So as we go through these, it's worthwhile thinking about a range of different factors, including how your sports club's going to fund itself. Is it going to do it for like, grants, or is it going to do it via membership? Um, who's going to own your club? Uh, is it going to be privately owned, or is it going to be open to membership? What type of message? you want to send out about your club for example is it you know as we say a privately owned club or is it a charitable club that's open to anyone uh, do you want a membership some clubs don't have membership some do there's different tiers you can have um, relating to that and will you be thinking about tax advantages such as gift aid um, which can open up a little bit of extra funding for your club so these are all things that are worthwhile thinking about as we go through these types of legal structures so let's begin with community interest companies. A community interest company is more commonly referred to as a KIC or a CIC, and it's a type of company which is designed for organisations that want to use their profits and assets for the public good, which we believe all sports clubs should. Um, KICs can either be established as companies limited by guarantee or uh, li companies limited by shares. And if you do want to kick, uh, you'll want to think about how your company is going to be owned, whether you want to um, have shares that people can uh, have a stake in or not. So that's the important thing to think about when going down that route. Uh, and then basically, once that company's formed, you, you can have the kick status on top. Um, as the name suggests, community interest companies have to carry out activities which benefit the community, and they have to pass the community interest test to demonstrate this. 
many amateur sports clubs would meet this test and the articles of association of a kick must include specific wording for example um, restricting the way in which the assets are used which refers to the asset lock which we discussed earlier so you would have that built into a kick and more generally um, the articles of a kick will be more complex than the articles of a, a company limited by guarantee or a company limited by shares the two we mentioned before um, so if you're looking for some support and guidance on your articles of association you think the kick is right for you please do get in touch we have examples of, of each of those um, kick with uh, company limited by guarantee and kick uh, as a company limited by shares so um, get in touch if you're looking for some support so uh, kick status does bring with it fewer legal requirements than a charitable status um, or the SKIO model that we're going to discuss or the community benefit model that we're going to discuss. And there are no restrictions on payments for kick directors. So that's worth thinking about um, depending on how your club's going to be owned and run. It does offer limited liability, as we've discussed, and it does have the protection of the asset lock, as we've discussed as well. So it could be worthwhile considering for your club. There have been a couple of clubs that have gone for a kick structure in Scotland and two SBFL clubs. Um, one is Clyde and the other is Stenhouse Muir. Um, we ask John Alexander, former Clyde FC chairman who worked closely on the conversion of the club to a kick, uh, why they went for the kick structure and what the kind of implications have been for the club since they've done that. So here he is speaking to us. When we switched the club to becoming a community interest company, uh, we had two supporter groups that controlled the club. Uh, and we all had the same aims in mind, but had two separate democratic structures to achieve that. So we sat down and thought about what was the best way to achieve bringing us together, all as supporters, and the CIC model seemed to fit that. It wasn't so much the characteristics of the structure, because you can generally achieve uh, all that you want through a standard limited company by structuring your articles of association to give you the same outputs. But being a community interest company was something that immediately said this was slightly different and being essentially focused in community, it said that this is a football club, Clyde Football Club, community interest. So we were creating a community of interest around Clyde Football Club. So it was actually less about choosing the elements of the structure, but more almost trying to get it to say what it is on the tin. I think the benefits of adopting a community interest structure, uh, once you set aside that you could have achieved the same under a standard limited company, was the fact that people have engaged with it. They've believed that they have a right to comment on the operation of the club uh, and the people who have run the club have fully understood that they were responsible and accountable to the supporters and owners of the football club and being a wholly open structure anyone who wants to be part of the structure they can do it and it's you know it's a small subscription every single year the compliance isn't uh, onerous there's a small amount of uh, work in stating what you have achieved in terms of your community objectives, but no one should see being a community interest company as something that generates a load of work uh, for compliance beyond that of any other type of structure. 
So there we go. That was John Alexander, former chairman of Clyde Football Club, explaining why the club adopted the kick structure back in 2010. So next up, we're going to be discussing community benefit societies, which are more commonly referred to as BENCOMs or CBSs. Um, as the name suggests, the uh, BENCOM exists for the broader benefit of the community, in this sense, the community in which the club is located. BENCOMs have community benefit written into their governing documents. They operate on a democratic one-member, one-vote basis and can be an attractive prospect for grant funders who can be safe in the knowledge that they're giving support to an asset-locked organisation, which you can choose to write into your um, rules if you choose so. Uh, a community benefit society can also issue shares, which are known as community shares, which carry a capped rate of interest uh, and on the basis that it will be up to the board to decide whether the club can afford to pay interest on these every year and um, based on the, the club's financial performances. And there's been a couple of um, professional clubs that have gone for um, community shares, which are perhaps worth highlighting, uh, one of which is FC United in Manchester. Um, the other one is Portsmouth. And there's lots of information on both their websites about how they've uh, undertaken uh, community shares. You could also get in touch with Community Share Scotland or ourselves, who are licensed practitioners in, in community shares, if you're interested in, in opening up your organisation for people owning a stake in it um, and being able to repay them, if, especially if you're building something like a facility. It's, it's definitely worthwhile thinking about how you could get some extra capital into your organisation community shares are a great way to do that giving everyone a sense that they own something within your club um organizations can also buy shares in the in the society but it's important to highlight that it doesn't matter how much is invested everyone is entitled to just one vote at the annual general meeting and that's done in a way to kind of protect the assets stop somebody coming in perhaps with vested interests um as we have seen with sports clubs over the years and sort of taking away control of the sports club buying up all the shares and controlling all the votes so it's always one member one vote um a community benefit society also offers limited liability. As we said, the ability is to issue shares. You can also get charitable status on community benefit societies. And as we say, you can also build in an asset lock to prevent its value being distributed for members' personal benefit. So that, that to me, makes it sound like quite an attractive proposition for a sports club. Um, and if you are interested in the community benefit society, it's definitely worth looking further into. However, the one disadvantage um, I think it's probably important to point out is that the uh, the financial conduct authority, which is the uh, governing body for the um, for, for community benefit societies, is a much less user friendly regulator than Companies House. So um, uh, the formal processes can be a lot slower, um, and if your rules don't closely align uh, with the existing models that are already registered with the FCA, incorporation can take quite a while, and it can be, be quite expensive. Fortunately, at Supporters Direct, we do have our own model rules for community sports clubs. So if you do feel like the Community Benefit Society is for you, but you're perhaps put off by the rules, um, please do speak to us. We offer a lot of support. We've helped set up over 200 organisations across the UK with this legal structure. Um, so please do get in touch. Um, one club that recently took the decision to incorporate as a Community Benefit Society are uh, SBFL Club and an Athletic. Uh, Philip Jones, one of the directors of the club, um, spoke to the Supporters Direct podcast last year discussing the reasons why they opted for that structure um, uh, they were going from an unincorporated club at the time to adopting the, the bencom model so here he is speaking to the sports direct podcast philip jones the, the way the club operates you know there's uh, because of the way the, the the way it's structured at the moment there's a great deal of risk for the members because there's there's the liability issue uh, surrounding the members because uh, there's unlimited liability at the members as it comes to stand plus we need to protect our assets. Our, our ground is currently leased from the, the, the local council, and um, we've put a lot of investment in the structures above ground. So what we're trying to do is, and we work very closely with Sporters Direct, 
uh, and we've been through various, this has taken about 18 months, but we've looked at other clubs and what we're doing in the, the CBS is the best model, one, limited liability of one pound to the members, two, to, to protect their assets through being a, a community-based society, and three, more importantly, is to give everybody one single vote and everybody's got the same vote, everybody's got the same rights on a single vote, and that confirms our ethos in the society. So the thing is, is uh, if if a, if a company that want to join, they can join, put as much money as they want, but they only still get one vote, the same vote as one member. So that that's really where it's coming from. So it's I would say it's like a true democracy. You guys will be familiar with that, and we will be 100% fan-owned when this consultation's finished, and it'll be people that want and athletics to succeed. The benefit of the CBS is that everybody that comes to the ground and supports your team on and off the pitch, but as a member owner of and the football club has a real interest in the club and it, it breeds an awareness of the club and, a, and a, a will for it to succeed. The other benefit is is that any individual that is minded can actually aspire to be on the board or to help in some other ways because the CBS model allows you to uh, have subgroups where people with expertise that are in your membership can actually have a real benefit to the, to the club and Although it's all unpaid, it gives you a real feel-good factor because you're, you're helping the entity succeed. The expertise for supporters direct has been immense because it's, it's, it's helped us focus of mind and it's helped us through this because we've been through quite a few iterations of this and we've got it now where we want it to be and everybody can see the benefits of it. So there we go. That was Philip Jones of Allen Athletic talking to the Supporters Direct podcast last year about why Annan were moving to the Community Benefit Society model. Now, the final legal structure we're going to be discussing is the SCIO, which stands for Scottish Incorporated Charitable Organisation, uh, which can be a bit of a mouthful, hence why it's often just abbreviated to SCIO. Uh, the SCIO is a, it's a legal form in itself, and it's designed specifically for Scottish charities. It is a corporate body like a company or registered society, but it's formed by OSCA, which is the regulator for charities, rather than Companies House for Companies or the Financial Conduct Authority for Community Benefit Societies, the previous two models we've just looked at. Like the previous two, it does also offer limited liability um, and it provides protection to the members so they're not liable for the debts um, and other liabilities if the skier was ever wound up for example. Unlike other types of legal entity with charitable status though, SKUs are only required to report to OSCA, um, as we said, the, the governing body and the regulator, whereas companies with charitable status also need to report to Companies House, uh, and whereas community benefit societies which have charitable status would also be required to report to the Financial Conduct Authority. So there is less compliance involved with uh, a SKEO if, you, if you're definitely after charitable status. So while if you're looking for charitable status, you wouldn't be able to get that with a kick. You could be able to get it with a community benefit society, but it's a bit harder. If you really are keen on charitable status, a SCIO may be the best for you. The other alternative would be a company limited by guarantee, which you can also apply to uh, get charitable status with. However, SCIO is, is specifically designed for organisations that just want to be charitable. And it's quite a recent development in the last few years. So there's quite a few new organisations that are coming through with um, SCIO status. So the key benefit of having charitable status uh, and, and mostly through the SCIO model is the ability for the organisation to claim gift aid on donations and membership. So um, it's really worth having a think about how you structure your membership at this point as well. So whilst community amateur sports clubs can claim gift aid on donations, and many do, um, they won't be able to claim on membership. So depending on how you structure the membership within your SCIO or your charitable organisation really depends on whether or not you'd be able to unlock some much needed extra revenue for your club. It's 
not an easy process and there are a lot of caveats around how you do it. But having undertaken this process, for, I've done it with a couple of different clubs now, I can hand on heart say it's definitely worth the hassle uh, and the administration and the compliance for the extra revenue it can bring to your organisation. Um, and just through some of these experiences and working on the incorporation of a couple of different skios in the past, um, I feel I'm just about qualified enough to be able to offer some input into why you may want to adopt uh, a skio status for your, your organisation. Firstly, a skio is right for you if you're a non-profit club and your aims are wider than simply being a sports club. You know, for example, you actually want to affect wider positive change within your community through sport rather than um, having a sports club for the sake of being a sports club uh, or, you know, the idea of elitism, I guess. There are many really excellent examples of sports organisations with charitable status in Scotland that are undertaking really positive work at, at all levels, really. And, and you may want to have a look at Spartans FC, Glasgow Girls FC, Blantyre Soccer Academy, Links Community Trust and, and AMS, who are currently providing some support to via Club Development Scotland. Um, I could go on because there's a huge amount of organisations that are doing really positive work Um but uh, feel free to have a look at the Oscar website and have a look at some of the, the, the more details about um, adopting charitable status or, or even just going for the SKIO model. So all of those groups that I mentioned above have football clubs as part of their setups, but they also deliver on wider aims and they use the clubs really as a way to achieving those aims. And those objectives will be about improving communities, healthcare and education. So, for example, AMS, who I say we're, we're working with just now, have a walking football programme. Um, and they offer uh, coaching for um, special needs and, and disability football. So they're kind of the examples of um, activities you might deliver out with your club or you might have them as part of your pathway as well. So really important to think about what kind of activities you're doing that meet your aims and objectives. Now, it's important to highlight that if you do just want to have a football club that signs players to win trophies, um, a skio isn't right for you. You may have an aspect of your club that is about competition, um, but that wouldn't be the main bulk of your work. It's really about having, you know, unlocking charitable status is really about using sport as a vehicle for wider aims rather than success on the pitch. Um, and the other thing to say about skios is there is a little bit of a compliance involved, especially if you want to tap into things like gift aid as well. Um, and you really need to have a think about um, who you're going to get involved in making your charity a success. You need good people involved with a good understanding of what it means to be a charity trustee. You also need individuals that can give up their time to contribute to the overall success of your charity, including you know searching for funding, preparing annual accounts, filing reports to Oscar, as we say, as the regulator for charities. Um, and you'll also have to hold annual general meetings as well, whereby members um, can have a, can stand for the board or um, have their say as well. So these are all things that you may want to consider um, whether you want to open that up to your club. But just to finish on a high note, and as I say, I have worked on a couple of um, skios in the past, I'd say the level of compliance is really worth the effort because a funder would be safe in the knowledge they're investing in, a, in an organisation whose constitutional aims are for wider social benefit. Secondly, it does offer the trustees that limited liability, which is why a lot of clubs I've worked with have gone for that. And thirdly, because of the potential added tax advantages such as gift aid, which I say can be really valuable, um, especially if you do a lot of fundraising as an organisation. So if you are interested in finding out a bit more about Skio, please do get in touch. We'd be happy to help you through with a range of different services, such as, you know, structuring your constitution and the membership, um, the gift aid aspect of it, the applications for charitable status. Um, and for any more information on this, please do just get in touch with us or visit the website, which is clubdevelopment.scot. We've also got um, a guidance page where you'll be able to find out more um, 
about the different types of legal structures and compare them all in terms of limited liability, uh, gift aid, charitable status, uh, shares, for example. So a lot of things we've discussed, there is a there is a matrix there with all the different types and it includes more than the three that we've spoken about. But as I say, the three we've mentioned are really the, the three key ones that we would envisage a community-focused sports organisation would want to consider. Um, finally, Thank you very much for listening to this. Hopefully you found it interesting. Please do get in touch if there's things that you'd like to find out more about. As we say, our email address is info at clubdevelopment.scot. You can find us on social media where we post all sorts of different things. We also have a blog where we post guidance um, and uh, updates about funding as well, which could be relevant for your sports club. So please do check that out. Sign up to the newsletter, uh, do all of that. And uh, for now, thanks very much for listening and we hope you found it useful.